He could handle having his fingernails pulled off. He could take the sleep deprivation and even the back-breaking stress positions. But when he heard his wife and kids screaming in the next room, he was broken. He would never be the same. The family in the adjacent room, the spine-tingling howls of loved ones, that broke just about everyone. This didn't just happen to one man. It's happened to thousands, hundreds of thousands, in Russia's many interrogation jails. As you'll soon see, the torture still happens. Although you could say it had its heyday back when Joseph, Man of Steel, Stalin had a firm grip on Russia's blood-stained reins. Some of you might have read a book called The Gulag Archipelago, written by a former prisoner of the Gulag system named Alexander Solzhenitsyn. The infographic show team of Russia-focused researchers have read it, and we can tell you that it is the stuff of nightmares. So before we get to the modern prison horrors, let's have a look at what they were like when Stalin was in charge. After serving in World War II, fighting bravely in the Red Army and witnessing atrocity after atrocity, Solzhenitsyn was arrested for spreading anti-Soviet propaganda. On July 7, 1945, he was sentenced to eight years in a labor camp, and the nightmare began. We're talking about interrogations before prison, involving a veritable cornucopia of sickening types of torture. As our real-life intro shows, if the constant beatings and sleep deprivation didn't break a man, his wife screaming in the next room usually did the trick. Solzhenitsyn said no matter how tough a guy was, he couldn't put up with that. During this time, the prisoners were kept in investigation prisons, and only after that slice of hell were they sent off to the work camps in Siberia, where life got progressively worse. Solzhenitsyn talks about relentless beating, men's backs literally being broken, and guards taking soccer-style penalty kicks into the prisoners' private parts until that man would never have children again. He even mentions a machine used by Russia's NKVD, their security agency at the time, that weeded out and tortured the so-called class enemies and undesirables. That machine was used to pull off or squeeze a prisoner's fingernails. These men were forced to stand in stress positions until they passed out. Sometimes they were shoved into what Solzhenitsyn calls kennels, where naked men were piled on top of each other for days on end. Many of them had no idea what they'd done wrong. The gulags were only around from 1918 to 1956, but don't think things have changed so much. Even before the gulags under the ruling czars, the prisons were horrific. The great Fyodor Dostoevsky, the writer of the classic novel Crime and Punishment, experienced the Russian prison system in the mid-1800s. He talked about unendurable cold and filth like nothing he'd ever seen. He said men were kept in horrid conditions and treated worse than animals, so in the end, Dostoevsky said, prisoners behaved like pigs. Among many things, Dostoevsky is famous for saying, the degree of civilization in a society can be judged by entering its prisons. There's a good reason for reducing a man to the state of an animal. It's not just about causing pain. It's about dehumanizing people so they lose their sense of self. This is what Russian prisons are designed to do. There's a Japanese proverb that goes something like, the nail that sticks out shall be hammered down. This is what authoritarian societies do to people that like to upset the apple cart. It's what the Sanhedrin did to Jesus Christ, what the CIA did to JFK. Just kidding, guys. But you get the message. And in Russia, which remains authoritarian today, nails that rise above all the other prostrated nails get smacked back down. Prison is not there for rehabilitation. It's there to annihilate a person's character and mold his very soul into whatever shape the government wants. That's the whole point of prison in an authoritarian society. They want to take away every bit of your personality and uniqueness, and they want to rid you of your skepticism and curiosity, make you believe that 2 plus 2 equals 5. As George Orwell said in his book about a future totalitarian society, power is in tearing human minds to pieces and putting them back together again in new shapes of your own choosing. Orwell wrote that in 1984, 
not just about the Soviet Union but about totalitarianism in general, but he wrote it knowing full well what Russian prisons were like under Joseph Stalin. Orwell understood better than most what re-education meant. You need to understand this today because when we're talking about the major difference between Russian and US prisons, it's got a lot to do with authoritarianism and bashing down nails that stick out. Whatever you might think about the US, and by God, its prisons can be brutal places, prisoners there aren't generally tortured all day into thinking 2 plus 2 can equal 5 or even 3, depending on what the thought police want you to think. Russian prisons are all about that. As a journalist said a few years ago, accounts are spreading of the extreme abuse that goes on in Russia's penal colonies, with claims that the treatment is aimed at destroying people psychologically. Sure, the US has more gang troubles behind prison walls, there's more inmate-on-inmate -inmate murder, and arguably more bullying. But if a prisoner chooses, they can likely get to work on an education program. They aren't told all day what to think. As Reuters said in 2021, unlike Russian prisons, US inmates aren't subjected to beatings, medical neglect, and severe psychological pressure. Trust us, the communist madness might well be behind Russia, but the totalitarian spirit lives on in the new prisons and penal colonies. Russians still have to put up with very poor medical care, beatings from guards, and disgusting food that would even make the hardliner sheriff Joe Arpaio mutter the words human rights abuse. Some are worse than others, of course, which goes without saying. Considering the size of Russia, some are filled with mafia who form their own prison rules and some differ considerably concerning filth and the cold. But one thing that runs through all Russian prisons is a lack of human rights for prisoners. Once you're in, you're forgotten. You're fed to the wolves, the guards, who, according to Amnesty International, can often torture a prisoner with total impunity. This is what a Ukrainian prisoner who just got out said prison guards did to another Ukrainian. The Russians hit him with a machine gun and hammer and threatened to pour hot iron on him. She said this about her own experience. Then they took me to the corridor and beat me with a truncheon. I fell. One of the commandos put his foot on my back and said, get up or tell your heart to stop functioning. I was also beaten with a stun gun on my legs, arms, shoulder blades, and other parts of my body. Then they forced me to sing the Russian anthem and kiss the Russian flag. Recent former prisoners have said it's common for guards to threaten men with death, which is traumatizing because they know the guards have killed prisoners before. It's not a lame threat by any means. Just imagine each night after you go to bed, you think there's a chance you'll be tortured and disappeared. This happens. One prisoner told the media his guards would stand outside his cell with accelerants, laughing as they told him they were going to set him on fire in his sleep. They like to remind him that no one would ever know what happened to him. He was powerless and he knew it, and that's what broke him. It's one thing when prisoners are bashing each other up, but it's totally different when the people who are supposed to be taking care of you are torturing you and threatening to kill you. And God forbid you're homosexual because there are reports too nasty to describe in full detail about gay men being treated very, very harshly. Let's just say certain tools were used on them. And this has all been well documented. In Russian prisons, men don't usually squabble and fight and stab each other because they have to stick together. It's them or the guards. The enemy is the state, which is always trying to break you. There are reports of guards beating prisoners after putting a kind of gas mask over their heads so that when they're being hit with batons, their airflow is restricted. The guards call this the elephant method of torture. It has the name because the gas mask looks like an elephant's trunk. Sometimes they'd spray chemicals into the mask first, such as ammonia or bug repellent, which made it harder to breathe as the prisoners took their beating. Boris Botvinnik, a mathematics PhD student, said when they did this to him while he was behind bars, he almost lost his eyesight. Some prisoners don't even survive the interrogation, such as a musician named Sergei Pestov, who died after his beating behind closed doors in 2015. 
Just like in the days of the Gulag, there are reports of men being kept in a room with a bag on their head, from where they can hear their loved ones screaming from another room. Just think for a second what that would be like. Other prisoners have been shot with blanks, thinking they were being executed after guards told them they were real guns. One guy, Anzor Gubashev, said the guards pulled out power tools on him. He was being asked questions with a Black & Decker or some other such brand name tool buzzing around his arms and neck. Other prisoners have talked about pencils and ballpoint pens being pushed so far into their ears that their eardrums burst. As another report said, if an officer believes they won't be brought to justice, they'll use primitive torture methods, resulting in great deals of physical marks on the victim's body. Zubair Zubarayev, who was sentenced after hitting a police officer and being found with a weapon on him, had his feet nailed to the floor while he was in prison. Yep, Jesus style. His story was retold by a human rights activist who saw the scars on his feet. In what sounds like out of this world, Zubarayev even said the prison doctors beat him. Not one, but several. Talk about a breach of the Hippocratic Oath. At least Roman physicians knew Nero and other wicked emperors were out of their minds, and they didn't join in on the carnage. Zubarayev was so beaten up that he could not sit down or even stand comfortably. He said the prison warden made it worse by putting some kind of powder on his open wounds so they wouldn't heal. Suddenly American prisons don't sound all that bad. Some tortures are of a sexual nature, which we can't describe because that would be breaking YouTube's policy rules. Rest assured, the stories are absolutely terrifying. Let's just say the word insertion is used a lot when they've been described. Other prisoners talked about the phone call to Putin, or polygraph polygraphovich method of torture, which consisted of covering a prisoner's head with a plastic bag and then giving him electric shocks all over his body, including to his genital areas. An article explained that a guy named Igor Peskarev was electrocuted with such force that he tore off his handcuffs. The same article explained, to get a weak yet high-voltage current, officers use an old electrical insulation testing device, a plunge battery, or a field telephone that has an electric generator. A guy named Igor Akhromenko talked of his electrocution torture, saying, I was chained to a heater, and one guy held my legs and another held my head. They asked me questions and turned the handle. At first they turned it slowly, then faster. When they would turn it quickly, I would just pass out. I passed out five times. You name it, it happens. All that stuff that used to go on in the gulag happens today, but not to such a large degree. Electrocution, binding, stress positions, nailing hands and feet, being hanged from ropes while beaten, and a hell of a lot of punching and kicking. One guy said he was tortured on the rack, where they hanged him from his wrists from a beam so his feet couldn't touch the floor. They left him there for hours, occasionally hitting him with various objects in the face and kidneys. Pretty much any kind of torture you can imagine, they've done especially in the new penal colonies, where guards know they can get away with anything. Inmates have now and again gotten letters out of these colonies. It happened quite recently at a place called Nizhny Novgorod Region Prison. The letter said, The riot police officers came into the prison with weapons and started beating and humiliating people who were being held in solitary confinement cells as punishment. They kicked them and bludgeoned them, choked them with towels until they lost consciousness, then doused them in cold water. Just like in the gulags, the mere cold can be enough to break a prisoner. In temperatures that make a New York winter look warm, men are sometimes doused with water and left outside. One of the torture methods is called the refrigerator, where men are forced into a small box left out in the elements and brought back in before they die. Russia does not have human rights lawyers, of course. There is the rule of law in Russia, it's just that the guards can often get away with their brutality because the people they're beating are said to be enemies of the fatherland. They're usually poor, too, and often don't even know they have rights. It's said there is one state where there is no torture at all these days, the state of Tartarstan, a republic of the Russian Federation in Eastern Europe. 
The main reason why it's torture-free is a terrible story in itself, which again we can't describe in all its gory detail. This 2012 case involved a man named Sergei Nazarov. While detained in police cells, he had unspeakable things done to him with a champagne bottle, after which he died. Russia's investigative committee got on the case and all parties linked to the death were imprisoned. After that, the state cleaned its act up. A Russian human rights lawyer said, All the officers who used to be untouchables were put behind bars. Almost every police officer has a former partner or colleague who was sentenced. But this is just one region, as a result of just one case. It's not total anarchy in the jails and prisons, but it isn't far off. Human rights lawyers generally don't win in Russia, especially when those penal colonies are concerned. The lawyers just cannot be out there in the hinterlands of such a large nation helping out the prisoners that need them the most. It happens with women, too, when they're locked up. Again, there are reports of women being kept in horrible conditions, full of filth and sickness, where cruel, inhuman, and degrading treatment is the norm. There are reports of doctors as well as nurses taking part in the torture. This is beyond ugly. In one case in a men's prison, a prisoner said the nurse was a sadist. She once screamed when the guards brought her a sick man. Let him die in the barrack. He should have thought about his health when he committed his crime. Imagine how you'd feel if the state, the police, the guards, and even the doctors and nurses wanted you dead. In Penal Colony No. 7, aka Segeza Prison, one man named Hasbulat Gabzeev said a guard accused him of using bad language. For that, he had his legs stretched to a breaking point, the soles of his feet bashed with batons, and then they stuck his head in the toilet and flushed it. He was then left with his injuries in a punishment cell. His mother said he lost the use of one of his ears after the beatings, but at least he was sent to the prison hospital. In 2012, a guy named Zelimkin Galiskanov was beaten so badly that his ligaments were ruptured, and after being confined with his injuries in a freezing cold isolation cell, he developed seizures. But his mom said it was the psychological stuff that really broke her son. The guards would come back to his cell each day, threatening to do more terrible things to his body, telling him they were going to kill him in the worst ways imaginable. She told the media beatings in prison are not as dangerous as the moral humiliation. Her son was indeed broken. He would tell you if you asked him that 2 plus 2 equals 3 or 5 or anything you asked, he'd no doubt tell you war is peace, freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength, and perhaps prison is privilege. But the guards for the most part aren't always just trying to break a man to force ideology down their throat. Sometimes it's about sadism. In societies that are very oppressive, you almost always find that when the doors are closed and no one is watching, sadism flourishes. It so often happens that the sadists themselves are being bullied by someone above them, so they don't mind taking out their anger on the ones below them. Everyone is abused from the top down. Violence is a vicious cycle. But don't forget, the instruments of government allow this to happen. It's how they control things. The last thing they want is solidarity between its citizens. They rule by fear. Another prisoner at Penal Colony No. 7 said prisoners would be beaten and their limbs stretched to the point of serious injury. One former prisoner said through their chilling screams, the nurse would sometimes shout, be patient or stop pretending. This dismissal of their obvious pain was just another part of the torture. It was as if sadism was contagious. But as we said, when the totalitarian ball gets rolling, it usually takes everyone with it. Violence begets more violence. It's often hard to find a good person that goes against the grain. Just as Zara Mirtazaliva said, who was locked up in the women's colony IK-13 for eight years, she said about 160 women shared three or four toilets, and there were no showers at all, just miserable little sinks. She saw people go mad after mistreatment by the guards and said if they were poor, like most prisoners were, they would never get any help. You have no rights in those colonies, none at all. As you watch this show, people all over Russia are suffering in prisons and colonies in ways that would make you question humanity. 
That's just it, though. In authoritarian societies ruled by tyrants from the top down, people in authority so often just say they're doing their job. It's what Nazi officers said at the Nuremberg trials. They were just following orders, massacring Jews, then going home to read their kid a bedtime story. It was the banality of evil. Same goes for Russian prison officers. They'll tell you they're just doing their job, even though they're responsible for many deaths of detainees. As listed by an activist named Maria Berezina, she once said people should understand that if they're taken to a police station, there's a chance they will not come out alive. That's not an exaggeration. There are numerous reports of men's parents being told their child died behind bars. In these cases, the guards will make it look like the prisoner wasn't killed. They can make it look like anything they want, and other prisoners won't say anything because they fear they'll get the same treatment if they open their mouths. So, when every day a guard passes a cell and informs someone they're going to set them on fire, it really does break him because he actually believes them. And he should. After telling you this, let's now introduce to you possibly Russia's most famous prisoner at the moment. On August 20, 2020, a passenger plane was mid-flight on its way to Moscow when suddenly, the most nightmarish groans imaginable filled the cabin. It sounded as if someone's skin was being flayed. The other passengers were in shock as flight attendants rushed to a man who not hours before had been enjoying a cup of tea in an airport. The plane made an emergency landing, and a man, an unflinching Vladimir Putin critic named Alexei Navalny, was rushed to the hospital, where he was put into a medically induced coma. Now, when you badmouth Putin, expect there to be serious, sometimes life-changing consequences. Turns out that the tea Navalny had drunk while waiting to board his flight contained the nerve agent Novichok. He survived this terrible ordeal, but after being arrested on bogus charges, he's currently experiencing Putin's famous prison hospitality. A fate some say, and Navalny might agree, is worse than death. Navalny wanted to end the corruption in Russia. He became the head of the Russia of the Future Party, from which he rallied against Putin, against the terror of Russia's prisons and the omnipotent fear that regular people have to live with if they're going to get along in certain Russian circles. Given Navalny's standing, it goes without saying that putting him through the elephant method of torture or the phone call to Putin electrocutions would not be easy. The story would get straight out to the public sphere, so even bashing his head with batons or burning his feet would be dangerous for Putin and his cronies. But when they're trying to break Navalny, they know they have little chance of making him say 2 plus 2 equals whatever Putin says it equals, but they can at least break his spirit, the driving force that has spurred him on in the past. Right now, he is suffering. In January 2022, his wife Alexei said he was very sick. He'd been kept in solitary confinement for months on end, which in itself can break a man. When Navalny was taken out of isolation, they put him in a tiny cell with a guy that was even sicker than he was. This guy was apparently mentally unwell and spends much of the night howling like a wolf. Mrs. Navalny said that they did this so he would contract whatever that guy had. They wanted to break his mind, and they want him to die slowly from sickness so they can write on his death certificate, natural causes. As his team said online, Putin is still trying to kill Navalny but in a quieter and slower manner compared to the Novichok poisoning. Putin never thought that this guy would have survived his tea infused with Novichok, but he also knows that this close date with death considerably weakened Navalny. He just needs a little push over the edge right now. The Russians want to break Navalny mentally, but they also hope that he'll just bite the dust in his cell from months and months of physical and psychological hell. Leaks confirmed that Trump officials requested from the CIA options to abduct or kill Julian Assange. Now all they can hope for is death by chronic ill health, and it's the same with Navalny. 
The entire world is watching, and unlike some prisoners with high profiles, Navalny is seen as an angel fighting dark forces. When you think about it, Assange and Navalny are similar, both being called enemies of the state by some and heroes for humanity by others. Choosing heroes is selective business. It would be best for their enemies if both Navalny and Assange died from slow and indirect torture. It's not as if the authorities haven't been trying, Ms. Navalny explained. Imagine that you're shut in a cage measuring 2 by 3 meters, that they place a person with you who is already sick so that your cold grows stronger and so that the flu is added on top of your cold, that they get you up at 6 a.m. and they keep you from lying down all day, even though you have high temperature. You think that Putin could do more, but he really can't. Public relations are very important to him. He needs the country on his side. Putin is walking a tightrope here and he knows it, especially after 200 doctors just signed a letter addressed to him saying Navalny needs to be treated better. If 200 doctors said that about Assange and made it public, and the UK government thought they were losing support, you can bet your bottom dollar that within a month Assange would be lying on a lounger in center parks watching shows about himself on Netflix. Putin's now dealing with protests and millions of Russians who have suddenly gotten interested in YouTube videos talking about Russian corruption. Some are probably watching this. Maybe even Putin is. And if that's so, Mr. Putin, you know very well that this prisoner isn't one that you can mess with. Unlike most other schmucks in Russian prisons, he's untouchable. But this is a one-off case. Let's remember that the treatment of Navalny is currently getting in Russia is about as good as it gets. He's on the VIP list. Navalny actually said he was being detained in what he called a friendly concentration camp. But he also said he was probably being kept in a Potemkin village-type environment, and he found it easy to believe that some guys were almost beaten to death with hammers when they don't toe the line. Every day he's awoken by loudspeakers blasting the words, Be glorious, our free fatherland. Free? That's Orwellian doublethink again. The prisoners have to look like they believe that, but they don't, or at least until they have it beaten into them. A former Russian prisons inspector admitted as much, saying they're crushing the prisoner as an individual and calling it the betterment of a person. The former inmate, named Radu Pelin, said that after just six months, men's psyches can be broken. He said at some point that happens and they don't speak anymore. This was the same prison where Navalny's detained. Another former prisoner there said, You have to keep your head down, eye contact is banned, and you're not allowed to move without asking, even to scratch your nose. Like the mother we talked about earlier, he said not knowing if you'll survive the day is worse than any of the beatings. The guards constantly remind you that they can take you out and get away with it. Put in this way, for a poor Russian in a penal colony, America's prison gang problem and the specter of a shiv in your back on top of a not-so-tasty prison chow would feel like a blessing. The Shawshank Redemption would look like a romantic comedy. Now you need to watch this epic, How Insanely Creative Prisoners Escaped from Maximum Security Prison. Or have a look at this classic, Man So Violent Even Other Prisoners Fear Him.